and I will do what he says to do with them because they are absolutely lethal. Imaginations are never good, ever good. I want to start with uh, Genesis 6. Verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. When the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth and he was grieved in his heart, so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Every thought, he said, there was a time when every thought that man had was only evil continually. Every thought. I think, Lord, how close are we to that in America? How close are we? Uh, if If... I feel like uh, I love, I do love sports. I, I love about everyone there is. You can tell I'm getting older and I'm getting bored because last year I started watching baseball. <laughs> I've never watched baseball. <laughs> but all of a sudden I, I've become interested in it. I must have too much time on my hands or something. But there is a, there's a, when you turn on that TV, I don't care if it's a baseball game or it's Jeopardy. I love Jeopardy. You, you can get violated watching commercials. And what happens is what you, you see that thought. You, you see that picture. Now you have one in your mind. You have made one in your mind. And if it's not dealt with, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. We're going to see that then that, that thing has no other choice but to grow. That's what an imagination does. I can prove it to you. If I, I can pick on Lenny because he's my brother-in-law. Lenny, I, I'm thankful for Lenny. I love Lenny. He's a great husband to my sister and father to the kids. But just for an example, if I, if I say something to Lenny, he says something back. If it rubs me wrong, I have a choice. I, I can say, what the heck did he mean by that? Or I can just go and say, well, that's Lenny. I know he loves me. I know I didn't mean anything by that. Every, every one of us has that choice to make because the enemy would love to put division between us. So it, it happens in the body of Christ. I, that's what the enemy does. He, he wants to plant things in us that cause the imaginations to go crazy. Uh, you ever found a, have you ever found a, a lump in your body? You tell me imaginations don't, just something new in your body. I mean, I, I'm going to be 59 that, this year. I was going to say next year, this year. Stuff happens. I, I've noticed things don't improve uh, Dick Mahalko told me, he said, they call them golden years. I ain't found any gold yet. <laughs> I would have to agree with him. Uh, turn to Hebrews 4. We all know this scripture. Now look, the, the question is not, will you have an imagination? The question is, what will you do with it when it comes? Does every one of us have a choice to make? Verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh my gosh. One, one out of ten people read the word of God? And this is what discerns our thoughts. 
this, it's, it's no wonder there's attitudes in the body of Christ. We got to have something. We can't live on feelings. And you, you can't trust feelings when they're good. I'm just going to throw this out there. You, are you crazy enough to believe everyone likes you? I, I, I heard Pastor Joe say, you know, when he, before he got saved, he didn't care if anyone liked him. I thought, I am like that now. I used to care, now I don't. Kind of switch places. Because really, I, if uh, the Word of God says that you beware when all men speak well of you. I have nothing to beware about. Nothing. Listen to the Scripture. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing calls them to stumble. And King James says, nothing offends them. You find someone who's out of sorts and say, well, I can't believe that they did this, they said that. I'm telling you, you can look at someone and you can say, you're not in your word, are you? Because nothing will offend you. Nothing. Great peace have they that love thy law. Nothing offends them. Works in a marriage. And we got people change spouses like they change underwear. Because of imaginations. If I, ju- if I just had, if I could just get rid of her, I could get. And so what you do, you take. You take all your problems that you didn't get resolved in your last one, you take into the next one. Because of imaginations. And you know what? A lot of times it's usually some some man my age or thereabouts trying to get the hookup with someone his daughter's age. It is it is humorous. What the heck? You do have an imagination. You're proving it. That's an imagine. That's what an imagination does. If I if I could just have her, I'd be happy. If I could just, I mean, we're going on thirty six years. We're we got a lot of bugs worked out, but they're not all worked out. But enough of them. I ain't gonna try to. You kidding me? Our our kids are raised. They're out of the house now. It's it's just us. We, I told her, we earned this time together. We've earned this. We deserve this. You deserve me. No, but she got me anyway. Imaginations are wild, are they not? Look, they're like wildfire. If an imagination is not dealt with, I guarantee you, Within minutes, it's a blazing fire in your mind already. What you hear talk at work, oh, you hear there's going to be a layoff. But what? I can't watch the news. It's just too depressing for me. My imagination will go uh, for many reasons. Like Pastor Joe was talking about in November coming up. Your imaginations have to be cast down. Is your hope in a man? If it is, it better not be a president. It better be in the one who died for you and I. That's who our our hope is in. Anything else is an imagination. 1 Samuel 18, let's look at an example of what an imagination does. Uh, David just killed Goliath. And we're going to pick it up, verse 1. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him, behaved wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Kind of funny what happens when you kill a giant, isn't it? 
Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to do what? You see the next words? To do what? To meet King Saul. They were coming out to meet King Saul. Not David. They were coming out to meet King Saul. With tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments, so the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Oh, my. Then Saul was very angry. The saying displeased him, and he said, Here's the imagination. They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they've ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? From an innocent song, and all they were doing was singing the facts, what had happened. And Saul's mind went crazy. His imagination took off. So all Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times. But there was a spear in Saul's hand and Saul cast the spear for he said, I'll pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. All from a little innocent song he wasn't even singing it someone else was singing it but his imagination took off and i really believe had he been doing what he was supposed to be doing because he was head and shoulders above everyone else he should have been the one taking care of the giant oh imaginations they'll tear you up james james one i love the word of god i love this word Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own mm -hmm, and enticed. Then... When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown or finished, brings forth death. Lust, sin, death, the original LSD. It is. It's a drug. It started with lust. And I, I, I listen to me, men. Lust is something you and I cannot play with. Cannot play with it. And you and I both know uh, when we are in never-never land, when we are in forbidden land, it could be here in church, being too friendly to a woman that is not your wife. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. Listen, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Women know when you do that. You're out there, women. You can speak up. You know when we do that, don't you? You can tell when a man is being too darn friendly with you. Whoever would have thought that this thing with lust could have ended up with death? I wonder if we would look at things different if every time that happens, oh, wait a minute. I know how this ends. God's warned me about this. I know how this ends. Oh, yes. Galatians 6, verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Sowing to the flesh is an imagination. That is a great picture of the flesh. You you sow to it, you reap death. Destruction. We're reading it over and over and over again. Uh, in Ezekiel, I believe it's 1820, says, The soul that sins, it shall die. 
There, there is a price, a, a, a price to pay. And what is sad is that you and I not only can fool each other, we can actually fool ourselves. Well, I, I'm okay. This, this is not hurting anyone. Uh, the Spirit of God is living inside of us saying, you back away. You back away. Because you and I, if we, if our names are written in the book of life, we can't say, well, I, I, I didn't know. Oh, we know. Because the Spirit of God leads us. The Spirit of truth leads us. Imaginations are awful. If imaginations are why people can go for days and weeks and not even talk with each other in marriages. That's how it happens. Listen. If you're quiet that first day, the second one's a whole lot easier. That's what I hear. I'm telling you, I know. We have learned. Get this thing, like Barney says, Barney 5 says, nip it in the bud. Get this thing before it takes off because if you do not, that match can just, I mean, look out west when they have those fires. That's from one cigarette someone threw out or one match. Acres, thousands, sometimes millions of acres burnt by one match. You think of that inside a body here. An imagination if it's not taken care of. Because out of the abundance of the heart, and if you've got an imagination going on and it's not being dealt with, you'll tell someone about it. Well, let me tell you what I think. You know, this really... I, I, I don't want to gossip, but but you're going to anyway. I mean, because if we didn't want to gossip, we wouldn't. And when we do, I've had people tell me things about other people and say, hey, listen, you better keep an eye on them. Because I heard that, and you know what, a lot of times it's just been wrong. It's just been wrong. I've been uninformed. And I'll tell you what, we do not have a tendency to think the best in people. We don't. Second Corinthians 10. Real familiar scripture. Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This would be a brand new church. If you and I brought every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm telling you, you, you could just stand up here and you could hear cling, 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 cling. All the chains would be dropping. Because the imaginations bind you and us. Oh, they do. How, how many of you have just, you were just so sure you knew what someone was thinking? Oh, yeah, I know. You know, I know why they did that. And how many of you have been wrong? I remember one day years ago, we had a, a 74 Pinto station wagon. Did not have air, except in the tires. I was thankful for that. We went to Kroger's. Marcia said, I just got to run in here and get a few things. And I don't know if we had... All three or all four kids in, but there was at least three in that back seat, at least. And so it uh, seemed like I know she was probably only going 10 minutes, but it seemed hours. It was July, it was in the 80s, and the inside of that little pinna was black, and it was just sucking heat up, and kids were no happier than what I was. And so they're, they're complaining, and I'm correcting, and and all of a sudden, I see this guy. He walks by, and he, he's got uh, groceries. And he takes them, and he opens up his trunk. He puts them in there. And then he walks over, and he takes his cart, and he stopped right in front of that pinto and dropped it off. Uh-huh. I, I was ready to bust him. I, kid, kid, listen, kids were on my nerves. I, I thought, But the whole thing is my imagination. I said, I could tell, this is what was going on in my mind. I said, I could tell by looking at him. That's what he was going to do. 
So, so he kept walking, and there were three carts over here, and he picked them, and on the way back, shoved the one he put in front of them, and ended up taking four of them back. But I had him figured out. I knew what he was up to. Imaginations, they're never right. We never imagine good stuff, ever. Oh, what a lesson in humility. What a lesson to judge someone. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Oh my gosh, we have a choice to make. Is your glass half full or half empty? You know, you can you can do that. You can actually do that in a marriage. You can you can de- decide you're going to pick someone apart and say, "Well, I don't like how they do this. I don't like how they do that." And I told you, I heard a pastor say the two become one. They go on the honeymoon, find out which one. You always spend our life trying to figure out which one, don't we? If you if you're going to be honest. But it's, it's how we address those situations. Because if imagination is not dealt with, isn't it amazing how quick your heart can change the thoughts you can have? Oh my gosh, I amaze myself. When I have an imagination and it's not dealt with, I am out of sorts. I'm mad at the world. They don't even know it. But that's what happens when it's not dealt with. It grows. It just grows. And if you're around me and I'm disgruntled, you won't have trouble telling. Now, I feel like I'm pretty transparent. And when I got something that bugs me, I think everyone knows it. I just can't play that game. I can't pretend like, smile, pretend like nothing's going on when there's something going on. So just leave me alone. God's dealing with me. Real danger. Real danger not dealing with imaginations. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 says, It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. That's a whole message in itself right there. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. I guarantee you, every man now has a picture. Every every man has a picture in his mind right now. What we're going to read, it's real important that you realize that this This whole scenario that we read about happened because someone was somewhere they weren't supposed to be. And when you're somewhere you're not supposed to be, you are a target for an imagination. You are. When you're not where God wants you to be, the enemy has his reign over you. And you'll bite on stuff that you normally would not bite on. He was not where he was supposed to be. He sees this woman, so David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah? The wife, the wife of Uriah, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? The wife? Anyone get a red flag? The wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him. Oh, my gosh. He laid with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, The gig's up. You're going to be a daddy. I'm pregnant. Then David said to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. You understand, one imagination has led to another one now. 
And it doesn't stop. When you start feeding an imagination, it's hard to get that thing lassoed in because it just branches off. Here's the first one. Uriah had come to him. David asked him how Joab was doing and how the people were doing, how the war prospered. David said to Uriah, Go down to your house, wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. What a nice God. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go down to house his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said, Uriah, what the heck are you doing? He said, didn't you come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your own house? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord encamped in open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink, to lie with my wife? As you live and as you, your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Oh, my gosh. The plot thickens. Then David said to Uriah, wait here tomorrow. Also, or wait here today also, and tomorrow I'll let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before it, and he made him drunk. And the evening went out to lie on the bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his own house. Listen, she was beautiful to look on. That's what the Word of God says. She was beautiful to look on. And you, I'll tell you what, Uriah was a man of integrity, was he not? Wow. He's doing, he could have done it all with the blessing of the king. See, no, I, I, I'm not doing it. Oh, my gosh. Let's go on to another plan. The imagination starts again. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down. And he saw a woman bathing. This all started. He was somewhere he was not supposed to be and he saw a woman bathing. And now all of a sudden, he has sent her husband into battle to get killed. Oh my gosh, this, I, I can't even read this without weeping. Uh, less than a one-night flame. Just, just all for satisfaction. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, charged the messenger, saying, When you have finished telling the matters of the war of the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises, and he says to you, Why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Oh my God, he's got this. He's, he's just got all laid out. Look, I'm going to say this, and then you say that. You ever do that growing up? I remember one time we skipped school. There were six of us, and uh, my, our my, mom was shrewd. That woman was just flat out shrewd. And uh, we skipped, and uh, we... We partook in some beverages, and uh, we got together beforehand. Look, when we get home, if they ask, where were you? What did you do? This is what we did. All of us said, yep, okay, we went there. We did. We talked to her. Yes, we did that. I mean, we had it all laid out. I walked in the house, and I didn't even get in the door. And Mom said, that was school today. God has put something in mothers that's almost unfair. She knew. She knew. 
She just knew I was somewhere I was not supposed to be. I, I think she had spies somewhere. I don't know. I said, how'd you know? She said, I, I have people. I have people. Look, the, the plane was foiled. Now, can you imagine trying to fool Almighty God? Because Galatians 7 says, God is not mocked. We, we, we cannot fool God. We cannot sow to the flesh and expect to reap spiritual things. He said, it is not going to happen. If you sow to the flesh, there's one thing you reap. He said, that's corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you reap life everlasting. Uh, verse 22, so the messenger went, came and told David all that Joab had sent him. And the messenger said to David, Surely the men prevailed against us, came out to us in the field. Then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall of your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead. And your servant, Uriah the Hittite, is dead also. Verbatim. Oh, yeah, I can say that. I can say that. Then David said to the messengers, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Hey, this stuff happens. Are you hearing what he's saying? Don't worry about it. I mean, it's war. People, people die. He set this thing up. Isn't that what we do? The Word of God says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. We, we can cover our sins, but I'm telling you, God will not allow us to prosper. He sees. He sees what's inside. Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encouraging. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent, brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him his son. But the thing that he done displeased the Lord. I'll bet. Oh my gosh, look at where this thing started. I was just I was just on the roof. You ever been there and said, have you ever looked at your life, your this place where you at, and have you ever wondered, how did I get here? How how in the world could I end up here? When actually it started way back here, up on the rooftop. I said, I, I warned you on the roof. You weren't even supposed to be on the roof. You were supposed to be at war. I warned you. Oh, God does not pull punches. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he brought and nourished together. He brought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It ate of his own food, drank from his own cup, and lay in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to, man, to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. He got set up, didn't he? He got set up. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You're the man. You're the man. Can you imagine how David's heart must have sunk in him? It's you. You ever complain to God about someone? You got what? Why in the world don't you deal with them? Let me help you out with the problems they have. Isn't it funny? God won't listen to us. God has never, ever, ever once, ever let me 
talk about someone else to him. Not once. No, you've got your own stuff. You've got enough to keep you busy for four lifetimes. I'm not, you're not going to tell me about someone else's stuff. Because we all got stuff. We all have stuff. There's no exceptions to this. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You've killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You've taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword, you see those next words, my Lord, it'll never depart from that. Never. That's, it will never depart from your house. Never. Next time she looks cute to you, you better have your eyes open. Because she eats, she wipes her mouth, says, I haven't done anything wrong. But look at her. She is hot. Hot as hell. That's what she is. And that's where she'll take you to. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. I'll take your wives before your eyes, give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. Dear me. Whew. But I'll tell you what, she was cute. Look at her. She is hot. She was beautiful to look on. You did this secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion of the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also is born to you shall surely why? Because you have given the enemies of the Lord occasion to blaspheme. You are proclaiming to know Christ and the things that you have done, you don't know me. What are they going to say? How can you say you, you know God? Look at what is, is going on in your life. You've given the enemies of the Lord occasion to blaspheme. Tell me a testimony isn't powerful. Oh, how powerful is it to walk godly, to walk upright. You have given occasion for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Oh my, it's scary. Therefore, David, David, Nathan departed to his house and the Lord struck the child. You can like it, you can don't like it. And the Lord struck the child. That's what it says. Well, I'm not sure how... Then the Lord struck the child. He's God. He's God. And that Uriah's wife bore to David, she became ill. He, it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in to lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, if in, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed her voice. How can we tell him that the child's dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he's dead. He's dead. But she's so cute. I mean, Look, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Maybe that's what he looked at it as. 
Look how cute she is. The Word of God says, be sure your sin will find you out. Oh, it'll find you out. God's not mocked. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He brings everything. All the secret things are made manifest before God. Everything. Everything. You and I stand before Him. Light is just like darkness to God. Things done in darkness, things done behind doors, God sees it. Chapter 13. Verse 1 says, After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. Did you hear what he just said? He got, he's got his boy crazy about his girl. Now, are you reading that? His son is after his daughter sexually, but she's so cute. I mean, look, what could I do? She was bathing. She was, she was naked. I know I should have been in the field. I should have been out there in the battle. But I mean, you know what? What can go wrong? I mean, what, look, I'm up on a rooftop for crying out loud. How much trouble can you get into on a rooftop? Wow. So Ammon was distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Ammon to do anything to her, I'd hope. But Ammon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Ammon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. His sister. I'm crazy about my sister. I just, I can't get over her. I mean, this, this almost makes me want to throw up just reading it. So Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be sick. When your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. Then Ammon lay down and pretended to be ill, and when the king came to see him, Ammon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Ammon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Ammon's house, and, and he was lying down. Then she took flour, kneaded it, made cakes in the sight, baked the cakes, and she took the pan, placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Ammon said, Have everyone go out from me. Warning, warning. And they all went out from him. Then Ammon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat it from your hand. Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Ammon, her brother, in her bedroom. And when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come lie with me, my sister. What, what can it hurt? I'm not hurting anyone else. This is just between me and her. It's just a rooftop. It's a one-night fling. Nothing can matter. It ain't. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. It's going to be cool. Really. I've done this before. Always worked before. Oh, my. One time. Once. Once. She answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he'll not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than her, he forced her and laid with her. Then Ammon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which with he loved her. Oh, dear me. It's fair, isn't it? He forces his sister with him and then hates her. Now, I'm not going to keep reading on. When Solomon took over, you just need to read it sometime. One of the first, David told him, look, 
want you to think about this. There's a couple of people you need to keep in mind. They did us some harm. Go after them. And he did. And then we have brothers killing brothers after one of them raped the daughter. But look at her. She's hot. Look at her. I wonder when he saw her bathing, if he could have saw his son raping his daughter or his sons killing each other, if he would have thought twice about it. It's a disgusting story, isn't it? They ended up killing each other. Kids, kids killing each other. Brothers. Everyone's doing it. I mean, what the heck? It ain't that bad. Everyone's not doing it. Everyone's not. Well, you and I into we think we can get away with. I told Pastor, I've never had a message shake me to the core like last Sunday night did. They rebelled, vexed his Holy Spirit, and he turned and became, remember, their enemy. That little thing that you and I like to dabble in, no one knows about. Now, I'm coming right at you tonight. God sees your heart. God knows everything you and I do. Everybody's got stuff. If that imagination isn't taken care of, you and I will end up putting people to death just like David did if it's not dealt with. So God to go clear back to the lust stage. And this is not just about sex. I remember telling telling my daughter before she got married. She was pure. He was too. They never never knew anyone else except just each other. But I can tell you right now, it wasn't their fault. But I would when they were just dating, they had they were even engaged and they were sitting on the couch and I was watching TV with them. And uh, they're they're sitting just like Lenny and Teresa are, pretty close together. This is my sister. I can do this. And uh, she was going like this. Yeah, just kind of massaging his head. I I I I took it as long as I could. Five probably five minutes. And I said, "Time out." She said, "What?" I said, "I know you don't have anything evil in your heart." But I'm going to tell you right now, he don't even know there's a movie on. I said, you, you're sitting there, you just think you're getting him a nice head scratch. I said, beside you is a hormone hurricane. I said, that man is going crazy on the inside. I said, Joel, tell her I'm right. He said, he's right. I said, I know you want to keep yourself pure for marriage, but you are killing him. Stop it. For a man to think, I can handle it. Listen, men, you cannot. You cannot. You know I'm telling you the truth. You cannot handle it. That's why the Word of God says to abstain from all appearance of evil. All of it. You find yourself in the book of Corinthians, you memorize that Scripture. You get in Corinthians, and you find that one about the imagination and you just start repeating it. And the next time, if you've got to walk around with your Bible, the next time you have an imagination, get that scripture. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. They're pulling down the strongholds, casting down imagination. I'm casting this imagination down right now in the name of Jesus, and I'm bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I cannot afford to have an imagination growing in my mind. You cannot either. Can't afford it. Because as a man thinks in his heart, mm-hmm. we can't. You understand that's how homosexuality came about. Read it in Romans 1. 
They became vain in their imaginations, neither were they thankful. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Their imaginations were just going everywhere. Men with men, women with women. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So what imagination you got to cast down? What one have you been entertaining? What's the enemy been telling you you need to cast down? God is not mocked. He's not mocked. This is part of, part of our spiritual warfare is to cast imaginations down. Your problem and my problem is from here up. Have you ever noticed that? Those things that we feared the most never happened. Look, we bite on this. When the enemy comes to us and he says, this is going to happen and that's going to happen, do you know that the devil does not know the future? The only future he knows is his. He doesn't know our future. He can't see into the future. Why is it we bite on his stuff and we let these imaginations grow? Why? I see Betty sitting back there. How many times did he tell you Mark would never get saved? He's a liar. He doesn't know. He had no way of knowing that. That's an imagination. It has to be cast down. How many things has he told you in your life would never change? You ever heard that one? It's, it's oh yeah, it's going to get, it's going to change. It'll get worse. That's what the enemy tells you. I know because I hear it. But you and I have to do something. We have to cast that down. No, I'm not buying into that. And no, you're not going to make me mad at my brother. You're not going to do it. No, I'm not buying that. When he comes at you and he tries to put division between you and another sister, you and another brother, cast it down. So no, no, I'm not going to do that. Because one chase a thousand, but two chase ten thousand. Two chase ten thousand. What would a church full of people in agreement? do oh church get rid of the imaginations get rid of them have you ever noticed it's not the stuff that happens to you that's the problem it's the stuff that comes with it up here that's the problem you got some music go ahead and put some on i'd like everyone to stand please now look i, I do hope I do hope you come to the altar and hope you spend some time here.